0: Please rise for the scripture reading. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. It's
1: like going into the living room and you're like, ah, I knew it just a second ago. But he went to the Jordan and he knew he was starting his ministry. And God said, I love you so much. Because God knew he was fully divine. I mean, God made him. But he also knew he was fully human and he knew what he was asking of Christ. And he knew at that moment that Christ said, I will be the Messiah, that that was not going to end good for Christ, that he was going to be a sacrifice for the entire human race. He also knew that people don't like change. Nobody likes change. We all say we want change. We all say we want to do things in a better way. We all say that we want to improve ourselves. And then as soon as we start it, we all complain that we don't like the way it's being done. I got to tell you, the biggest complaint in any church is we need to grow. We want more people in our church. And then if you get more people in our church... The second complaint is, the church is too big. We used to know everybody, and now we don't know everybody. That's what happens. Change is hard. And that's exactly what Jesus was going to do. Jesus' entire goal was to go into an ancient religion with wonderful rituals and wonderful texts and tell them all, I've got a new and improved way to do things you're wrong, I'm right, because God said so. He was going into an institutionalized religion and telling them that your institution is wrong. Your institution is outdated. I have a better way of doing things, and no, I don't have time for you to take it to committee and redraft a new way of doing it and waiting, like the United Methodist Church does, for four years for you to vote on it. You have to do it now. God said so. No institutionalized religion wanted that. But he got great believers. And the way he talked to people is he took everyday stuff. He took water. And he talks about it all the time. We're constantly talking about Jesus talks about money and Jesus talks about religion. But Jesus talked about water not only talked about it but he used it we have stories of Jesus calming the waters we have stories of Jesus walking on water we have stories of Jesus making the best party in the history of the world by turning water into wine and not just cheap wine but like primo wine so that those people could party for an entire week it never ran out he talks about that the blessing from heaven comes when you are like one of his disciples and you offer a child one cup of water. He compares himself to living water, not only to the Samaritan world, but to his disciples and to everyone who hears him. Why was water so important? Because he was living in a desert community. And it was something they understood. They understood what it was to be thirsty. Think if part of your day, every day of your life, was spending hours going to the well, pulling up a bucket of water, carrying it home, going back to the well, pulling up a bucket of water, and carrying it to your home. Having a bath was a luxury. Filling up a bath was something that you did maybe once a week. Our own relatives or the frontier folk of Illinois filled up a bath once a week. Remember that? Only in the 18th century. That wonderful saying, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, that has roots in reality, not that a kid submerged in the bathwater, But it was so hard to get that much water in one place that you usually took a bath on Saturday night so that you smelled good for church on Sunday. And it started usually kind of with the dad. He'd get in there so that he was good. And maybe the mom, so she'd good. And then they started with the kids. So by the time the youngest, the baby went in there, that water was nasty. (laughs) And you couldn't see through the bottom. So when you threw the bath water out, You know, if you missed, the baby could have been with it. It was kind of a joke, tongue-in-cheek, that by the time everybody was through it, that was some nasty water. Water has always been precious. It's just in our day and age, in our country, that water isn't precious, and there's a reason for that. We live in an area specific that has the largest amount of fresh water in the world. We live by the Great Lakes. We don't worry about water. Think about it. We drink it. We take showers in it. Think how much water we waste in the shower. As I was taking my shower with my rain shower head this morning, I was thinking about my sermon as the water is just pouring down the drain. I don't think about it. And I got out, and I flushed the toilet. How many gallons of water was that? And I brushed my teeth, and halfway through, I remembered, oh, I should probably turn off the water. gee don't think about it. And then I went in the kitchen, and I saw that my ice maker, which is rather large, actually, was full in one solid ice block, so I had to chuck that. More water wasted. We don't think about how precious a commodity that is if you go to another part of the world, like the Middle East, or the, that desert wasteland that is the center of Africa, they would be appalled that we waste water this way. They have to travel long distances to get their water each day. They have to dig very deep wells, or if they have to travel to rivers and streams to get the water. Eric took a trip to Peru. No. Where did you go? Peru? Panama. Thank you. I knew I had a P. And for the first time in his life, he had to go to a river, and he said that was gross because they were upstream of some people doing their dishes and bathing, but he knew they were downstream of other people doing their dishes and bathing. But that's reality for most of the world. And Jesus knew that. He knew that. So when he would come and tell people that were thirsty— not only spiritually, but thirsty physically, that I am going to be the living water. And I am going to be there for your entire life. And with me, you will never be thirsty again. They knew what that felt like. They knew what having that water in their life would feel like because they knew the joy of having their thirst quenched. Has anybody in here ever been thirsty enough where you got that water and even though it wasn't the best water in the world, just going down your mouth, you felt like you were swallowing ambrosia? Anybody in here? We worked in Jamaica in some of the hottest weather we'd ever had and man, drinking that water, I almost fell to my knees. I was so happy to get that water in. It was just wonderful. And when you're in that, Having somebody tell you, I will never have you thirsty again. I will be that living water for you. That woman at the well who was exhausted sitting at the well because she had to be at the well at the hottest point of the day because the rest of the town hated her because they didn't like her lifestyle. which Even according to her, was not the healthiest lifestyle with her multiple husbands and now living without a husband or living in sin with a new man. She had to be there because she was being bullied in our day and age. That's what you'd call it. So she was at the hottest point of the day, trying to pull up enough buckets to make it in her household so that she had enough to drink and she had enough to cook. She just sat there, and she was depressed because of her life, and she was depressed because of what she had to do. And then this man comes and tells her, if you believe in me, I will give you living water for the rest of your life. And she knew that, honestly, her physical thirst would not be taken care of. But the rest of what was paining her, the rest of her life where she felt out of touch with her community and she felt unloved and that thirst in her soul, which left her feeling cracked and dry and unloved and unfulfilled, that would receive life-giving water. That would receive life-giving blood. That would receive the love that she needed. That is that living water we keep talking about. So when we talk about our baptism today, and we talk about being baptized with water in the Spirit, water is not just something that is a, a symbol so that we understand the water this is life. This is life to us here on earth. Jesus knew that. So when he was talking about being baptized with life, when he was talking about being baptized with living water, he was saying, I know how you live. I know what you survive with. So I am telling you, this is what I am. I am life to you. I will never leave you alone. I will always give you the essentials of your life. I promise you this. Remember it every time you see water, every time your hand gets wet, every time you take a shower, every time you take a bath, every time you take a drink, when you pass a fountain. Remember that I am living life, that I promised you, you would always have what you need. You will always have my love. You will always have my faith. You will always have my support. I will never leave you dried and alone. I will be there for you. When it rains, remember me. When you see a puddle, remember me. When you see a beautiful ocean and a lake, remember me. Remember me every time you see water. I am the living water to give you life eternally because my love is greater than any ocean, greater than any rainstorm, greater than any love you can imagine. Christ promised to be our living water, loving us for eternity, sacrificing so that we not only live this life, but live life eternal. Amen.